We want to welcome you to Connect Church. Uh, my name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, I'm telling you, we've been living out and getting a taste of what that song is all about. Uh, last Sunday, you could sense the Holy Spirit's presence in this room, and just like you can today. And we don't just do church here. We don't just have a religious meeting. Uh, we literally desire and pray that you will hear from God yourself today. We believe that. We really do. Last Sunday, he was moving so much in your all's hearts and lives that not only did we baptize, check out your bulletin, all the folks that got baptized last week, but we had folks coming to an altar. One young lady just came out literally crying out, and uh, as we were singing the invitation, and she was just crying out, God, I am so sorry. Please save me. My wife had the wonderful privilege of leading her to the Lord right here at the altar. Give God a round of applause. I'm telling you, he is moving. Lives are being changed every week here at our church. Uh, you saw the baptisms, and uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, we preached a message that we believe America desperately needed to, needs to hear is what happens when you lose Jesus. If you didn't catch it last week, go back online and you can listen to that service. What do we do when we lose Jesus? Man, we're glad you guys are here today. You're in the house. We believe God is going to speak into your hearts and lives. We are now going to be moving to a new chapter in the Gospel of Luke. We're preaching verse by verse through the book of Luke. We believe the Bible is what you need to hear. The God of the Bible is who you guys need to hear in your hearts and your lives. And so we just preach the inspired and fallible word of God here, and uh, we're going to tell you about Jesus today, and Jesus is now, went from the childhood days we did in chapter 2, he is now all grown up. Jesus is fully into his ministry mode as we get here to this point, and people are talking about Jesus. They are not necessarily saying good things, but they are talking about Jesus, do you ever notice that it can be really awkward when people come up and talk to you for the very first time? I don't know what's going on, and I don't know if it's because of our online services or because I've been here 20 years, but literally every time Belinda and I go out to a restaurant, anywhere in town, Morville, Mantachi, Pontotoc, wherever it's at, uh, we have people that come up to us all the time, and they go, hey, uh, I think uh, I know you. I've seen you somewhere. Kroger, wherever it's at, Walmart. Uh, we go to the finer s establishments. And, uh, and they will walk up and they will say, hey, I think I know you. Now, let me just tell you, I know we got a lot of new people, but let me just go ahead and give you, because our folks will tell you what you see, sorry, is what you get with me. And so let me just put it on the table right here and right now. Uh, when folks come up to me uh, and they say that, the older I get, I've been doing this for 30 some odd years, the more introvert I've become. And it's not that I don't like you guys, and I do, and I love doing what I'm doing here, but outside of here, I just sort of want to be in my little hole. Uh, and anyway, and so people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, I think I know you. I've seen you before. Who are you? Blah, 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 and all that stuff. And I got to be honest with you, my initial reaction of just who I am now and my sort of personality is I just sort of cringe and I want to go, I don't know you. Ah, and I want to run. And I just want to run away. Uh, and that's just where I'm at in my life. My wife is complete opposite. Literally drives me insane. These same people will walk up to me, Wayne, you know, hey, how are you? And I'm wanting to go, oh, whatever, you know, God bless you. Uh, come to church. Jesus loves you. 
And that's about as far as I want to go. Valen's like, oh, how are you doing? Who are you? Where do you live at? What's your physical address? Uh, do you know that I was shopping at Kroger and I found a new bag of chips? She just starts carrying on endless conversations with these people. I just want to eat in peace by myself. And she's talking to them. You know, I got a mole on my arm. You want to see it? Uh, and she's just going on uh, and talking to people. And she feeds off of that. And she loves talking to you all. And she just gets her energy from talking to you all. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, woman? Anyway, but, uh, but that's just difference in personality. Do you know people talk about you? People, there are voices going on about you. They talk about you. So what do they say when they're talking about you? Do they say, oh, man, that dude, man. He's for real, man. That guy's super nice, man. I, I like that guy. Or do they go, no. When they talk about you, they go, man, that guy is fat and obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what they're saying about you, but uh, wherever you fit in that uh, spectrum. What about you ladies? What did they say about you all? I almost tripped and fell. Uh, what did they say about you? That's probably my wife. Uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, what did they say about you uh, ladies? Oh, she is just so sweet. Bless her southern heart. Or do they go, you know what? Somebody needs to give her a new broom and a new hat. Because I'm just telling you, uh, man, that one is wore out. And we're sick of her flying around uh, with her ways. Anyway, I don't know what they're saying about you. But people are talking about you as well. But today, I want to ask you the question. What are people saying about Jesus? What is the conversation? What is the voice that is being said about Jesus? Do you know a few years ago, there was a television show. And the whole premise of the show, well, it was the television show, I think it lasted for 20 years, was the Jerry Springer show. Do y'all remember the Jerry Springer show? Oh, don't you act so self-righteous. I know we've got all kind of folks in here, and I'm talking about white trash, black trash, red trash, brown trash. Uh, all of y'all that we used to watch some Jerry Springer stuff, uh, just go ahead and put up your hands right now. Did you ever watch Jerry Springer's show? All right, get out. All right, anyway, I'm just saying, but all of us, and I'm not saying that I watched it, but I, I, I've seen it. Uh, anyway, that's what we all admit. Uh, and so uh, the premise of the whole Jerry Springer show was back in the day is that they would bring this girl and this baby on the show, and you know how it would go down, is that all of a sudden the whole premise of the show was we got to find out who the baby daddy is. And so they would take all of these testimonies, and they would bring in all the friends, family, and throughout the whole hour-long show, you got this voice telling you, oh, I think he's a daddy. Oh, I think she, you know, he, she, whoo, uh, I think he's a daddy. And so, <laughs> we're not that church. Anyway, uh, and so, <laughs> she's, oh my gosh, Belinda's out of town. Our uh, oldest grandson's getting uh, baptized in North, I mean, baptized. Oh my gosh, I am struggling. He's getting dedicated today in North Carolina. He's only one. He's not getting back. Anyway, because we're not present. Sorry. All right. So anyway, uh, Belinda's out of town, and I don't know where I'm at. So, and I got to do a funeral. But here we are. So, where we, oh, Jerry Springer. <laughs> yeah. And so they're going through this whole, <laughs> don't, don't worry, come back next week, and I'll be just as confused. And so, uh, stop laughing, you know. And so, where were we at? Oh, yes. And so they got all these testimonies and all these voices arguing about who the baby daddy is. But you know what they do by the end of the show? They've done a DNA test. 
And at the end of the show, you've heard all the voices and all the arguments. Hair's been pulled. Chair's been thrown. We've had about 35 minutes of bleep. Uh, and and uh, all of that's went down in the whole hour show. But it really doesn't matter. Because at the end of the show, they're going to tell the facts and the truth of who the baby's daddy really is. And this morning, what I want to challenge you and share with you is an incredible message that God desired that we would know who his son is. God created a voice. He created that voice in a person by the name of John the Baptist who would come and reveal to you and I, he would literally raise up a voice that would tell us the truth. No matter what all the other voices going on in the world around us, there's a voice that tells us the truth of who Jesus is. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 3. The book of Luke chapter 3. And we're going to see that voice that speaks on behalf of Jesus, that God created, to tell us who Jesus, the truth of who Jesus really is. Dr. Luke, a medical physician, and let me just share this with you as the context in understanding this, this, these verses. In Luke chapter 3, something fascinating happens, and I'm not going to have time to preach on it, but Dr. Luke builds an analytical case. He almost is lawyer-esque at this point, wanting to prove the point of what John the Baptist's voice was saying about Jesus. And in verses 23 through 38, he gives us the genealogy of Jesus. And you know what happens when you all read the Bibles and you get in the Old Testament and you're reading through the genealogies. You all know what you do. Your eyes go... And you wax out, don't look at me, you're not super spiritual. We all know you go to sleep and you just skip over that section and you're looking for something else. And most of the time, we all do that. But today, I want to point out that there's something significant in this genealogy. And I don't have time to preach on it, but I think it's paramount to understanding who Jesus really is. And it supports the voice of John the Baptist. And here's the takeaway. In verses 23 through 38... Luke will make the argument from the birth of Adam to the present birth of Jesus. He follows all of the lineage and the prophecies to a T. Jesus truly is the one Messiah sent by God. And I believe that there's a significant reason that we need to know this this morning. Because he's backing up the voice of John the Baptist and what he's saying about Jesus. And here's the takeaway. You realize that you, when you were born, didn't get to pick the day that you were born. You didn't get to pick the day you were born. You didn't get to pick who your parents were, teenagers. As much as you may want to go back and retract that, you don't get to pick who your parents are. But there's one person who did. God knew the day his son would be born, the perfect time in history. We know who his parents are. And so God Almighty is saying to you and I, the one that John is speaking about, the voice of who Jesus is, he is the real deal. He is who he says he is. And now we move up the chapter line before we read the text. And in verses 1 and 2, Luke again gives us detail. And why? He tells us about who the high priest 
of that day and time was that Jesus was living in. He tells us of who the Roman king is of the province of Judea, and he gives him by name. And again, you've got to ask the question, why was he doing that? Why was he giving us this history lesson? I think there's an important reason, Terry, and this is it. Jesus, God the Father was backing up the voice of John the Baptist by declaring, you know what? I'm not going to pick Caiaphas the high priest. If you and I were selecting who should talk about Jesus, who's the one that should tell us about who Jesus is, we would go to the high priest. We would say, surely this was the perfect religious person. If we were in a Baptist church, we would pick out the priest. Or if we couldn't do that, we would want some leader. We do that all the time in churches. Is we want to bring in one of our political elected officials to sort of put their stamp approval on what we're doing. Have you ever noticed something? God doesn't think like we Baptists do. God doesn't think the way you think. God just does things differently. Now, here's what God does. I'm not using the king. I'm not using the high priest to be a voice about who my son is. I am going to, and I believe I got a good argument here, create a man by the name of John the Baptist to be born with one sole purpose in his life, and that is to be the voice of who my son is. And he creates this crazy dude who lives in the woods, who dresses with animal skins, if he were to walk in to fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church today and ask to let you guys move over so he could sit next to you, y'all know what y'all are doing. You're looking at this guy. He probably stinks a little bit. He looks nasty. He ain't shaving, taking a bath in a long time. And you're looking at him going, I'm sorry, sir, we can't move down. I've got family coming to sit here next year. Y'all know how you would be. Oh, we don't need that kind of person in our church. And I hope you don't sit by me. Security! Or were they gone to sleep? Why would you let a guy like that into our church? But God does things differently. That's exactly who he picks to be the voice to tell us who Jesus really is. So with that as the introduction... It's a really lengthy text this morning. So would you stand with me as we read the story, the voice for for God, John the Baptist. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being a governor of Judea, and Herod being the Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Zarcanium and Arturagid, Tyrannosaurus Rex, and whatever else that stuff is. And trust me, I know Greek. <laughs> and during, I don't know why they couldn't have just been Morville and Mantachi. During the high priesthood of Annas and, Caiph- and uh, Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the sa- son of Zachary in the wilderness, Zachariah in the wilderness. And he went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism, the voice of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You want to circle that. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain uh, hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's what they were experiencing. 
He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, this is John the Baptist, his voice, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, God is able to raise up from stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid at the root of these trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit. is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics, two tunics to share with him, who has, his none, who has none, and whoever has found his, do likewise. Tax collectors also come to be baptized and said unto him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said unto them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers asked him, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations and be content with your wages. And the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And John, again the voice, answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. This strap of sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He has a winning fork in his hand, and he's clearing the threshing floor and gathering to the wheat in his barn. But all the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. So with many exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for the Herodias, by Herodias, his brother's wife, for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the pe people were baptized... When Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And what? A voice came from heaven, simply saying, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. You may be seated. And that voice is what we want to talk to you guys about today. Jesus went into the vicinity of Jordan, or John the Baptist went into the vicinity of Jordan preaching and proclaiming this message. Repent for salvation is at hand. John the Baptist had one message. He was a preacher that lived and preached one sermon, Ernie. Repent, repent, for salvation is at hand. Now, I got to be honest with you, a little more confessional for Terry today. Y'all get on my nerves. And here's why. Because very, it's going to invariably happen. Y'all going to come up to me and you're going to go, Oh, man, we have Gary's guest preachers that come in here, and we always do our best to give you the very best. And most of the time, uh, every time that we have somebody come in, man, they're going uh, to be bang up. They're going to be good. Well, maybe not as much in June. But anyway, the other times they're going to be really good, and you guys are going to love them. And invariably, here's what you guys will walk up to me, and you'll go, what you guys will say to me, oh, man, Brother Terry, and you tell me this. Oh, Brother Terry, that was just the best sermon. Oh, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard. You know, that, that David Jeremiah. Ah, oh, man, I'm just telling you, he is such a good preacher, and blah, 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 blah. And i got to be honest with you. My insecurities and uh, just sort of well up in me. 
And I don't do this, but I'm thinking it, so I just got to confess it to you today. <laughs> and I just want to look you all in the face and go, all right? You listen to him 46 times a year, do that for 20 years, then come back and tell me how great it is. Y'all get it? Anyway, and so the truth of the matter is, is that he preached one sermon. Every preacher worth any salt ought to have one good sermon that he could deliver. John the Baptist had one sermon, and it was really good. Repent and be saved. And this morning, with that truth in mind, I want to help you guys understand that as we go through this process, Jesus is teaching you and I that John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And isn't that what we should do? Isn't that what God has called us to do? We should be talking, and I'm not just talking about preachers, but here's my challenge to the church this morning. God is wanting you to be his son's voice. And here's the thing. God has put you in a position unlike any of the rest of us. You all go to work with people that I don't go to work with. I can't ever lead them to the Lord, but you can. You all have family that I'm not related to. Praise God. Uh, and you guys have kinfolk that I'm never going to meet or never see. But you are. You have classmates at your school. I'm never going to be invited in there. They don't want me there, uh, unless I'm talking to football teams. They, they don't want me there. But the truth of the matter is, you're there. God wants you to be a voice in your school. And then you guys have friends. Okay, you guys have a friend. Uh, and you have that friend that God wants you to be a voice to. So ladies and gentlemen, here's the, the takeaway today. God is wanting you to live your life to be a voice for his son Jesus so you can prepare the way for the gospel to touch other people. And here's what it looks like. Get out your notes this morning, and we're going to share with you three principles about how God wants to use you guys to be a voice for his son. Principle number one. John the Baptist confronted people with the gospel of Jesus. This voice of God the voice that he wants us to be begins with a confrontation with people over the gospel of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, historically speaking, bridges the gap of the Old Testament and the establishment of the church as we know it today. It is a coming of age of what we call the age of grace, a new covenant of salvation has been birthed in Jesus Christ. And his message, John the Baptist's message is simple. Repent. Look at the text. And he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The next question that logically should come to your mind is what does repentance really mean? I believe that we live in a day and an age where we no longer know how to define repentance. What does repentance really mean? And here's what I want you to write down. Repentance simply means a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change in direction. Repentance 
means a change of mind, a change in heart, and a change in your direction. And here's what it looks like in your life and mine. All of us are on a journey. All of us have sinned. Every single one of us in this room today, I don't care how many times you've been to church, every one of us in this room are on a journey to hell. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us is on the road to hell. Every one of us is on the road to the city of sin. And that's the journey we're on, and that's the life we're living. But guess what? Jesus wants to help you turn around today. Jesus is, has given you a sign in an intersection and saying, listen, I need you to get off that road. You don't want to go down that road anymore. It's destroying your family. It's destroying everybody else around you. I've got a better way. Now, I don't need you to just sort of detour and we're going to take maybe another side road. Now, Jesus says, I need you to stop and here's what happened to me. I didn't just turn around and try to find an exit ramp and, and maybe, you know, hope that this took me somewhere else. You know what happened to me when I got saved? I went through the intersection. I took my four-wheel drive Mississippi truck. I went through the intersection, came up on the other side because of what Jesus Christ did for me. I'm headed in a new way, and hell and sin is in my rearview mirror, and I ain't going back, baby. I'm just telling you this morning, y'all ought to be excited about that. Somebody give God a round of applause. I'm just telling you, y'all need to wake up today because this is the journey that God has put us on. We need to remember hell and sin is in our rearview mirror. I'm now headed to a celestial city and I'm not stopping till I get there. And so this morning, that's what repentance looks like. It's a complete change of direction in your life, in mine. John preached his heart out in, confront, in confronting the religious community with the gospel. Here's what he said. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. You think I'm rough? You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with Repentance. So the context is simply this, what happens next. As you can imagine, the religious community comes up to Jesus, and Bather, they look at him and they go, excuse me, but, you know, my family, we helped build this church. And uh, my name is on a pew. That's why we don't have pews anymore. Anyway, almost said. My name is on the plaque. My husband donated the money for the Family Life Center, so therefore we have a special place in heaven because that's found in what chapter and book? And they came to him and said, our father is Abraham. And he looks at them and he says, you snakes! You snakes! God Almighty could raise up rocks that could do better at understanding who he is. Don't get mad at me. It's in the text. He says God could raise up rocks that have more sense than you. And he said the whole point of this is, is you need to learn how to repent. John says, humble yourselves and repent. What does that look like? As I was reading and studying, I came across this, and I think it'll help you, some of you this morning. This dad, back in the day, and was living up north, and he had a train and, that he would catch to work every day, and it was the 805 train. 
And so he comes out of his house early one morning to catch the 805 train to go to work. He's got his suit on. He's dressed and ready to go to work. And as he opens up the door, his son, for whatever reason, it had rained the night before, is playing in the mud on the back, on the, on the back porch. And so he looks down, and his son's just got mud all over him, and he's just having a good time. He must have went to school at Mantachi or Morville. Anyway, and uh, the son's just out there playing in the mud, and uh, he's having a good time. And the dad looks at him, and he's like, you know, that's my wife's kid. And anyway, the dad's like, uh, you know, I don't have time for this. And so he jumps over the boy in the mud puddle to get to work because he's got to catch the 805 train. But he is getting older, and he's not nearly as athletic as he used to be. And so he doesn't make it. And this is the point where my wife would just lose it, is he lands and slips and just busted in the mud hole. His suit is covered with mud. He's got mud in his hair, and he's supposed to be on the 805 train going to work. And you know what he decides to do? He doesn't run back in the house. He doesn't stay in the mud. He gets up, and he goes, you know what? Uh, that train has a bathroom on it, and I can't miss. I'm on a mission. I've got a big day planned for me. I've got a good day. He literally gets up with the mud dripping off of him, and he t hightails it to, get, to catch his train because he's headed for that mission. Now, here's the point. A lot of us are found in this story in one of two ways. The little boy is in the mud hole. And you know what? He doesn't care about his day. He's just having a good time. And the only thing that that boy's life is about is just enjoying the slop and the mess that he's in. And unfortunately, some of you are like the little boy. You have been in the mud hole of your addictions. You've been in the mud hole of your pornography, of your alcoholism, of your drugs, and all the other stuff that what you may be struggling with, the fact that you don't spend time with your family, you're addicted to your phones, you don't have time to worship God, to get your, butt in the, get your backside in the house, and to be where you need to be to worship God. You are too worried about somebody saying the word butt in church to have and worship God, that, that you're so worried about your sins, and I'm telling you, you're enjoying your sins. And you wonder, you wonder, while you're not experiencing God. But then there's another group of you here this morning, and this is the group you want to be in, where we too have fallen into the mud hole. Some of us didn't mean to, but we did. All of us did. All of us did. And we got mud all over us. We got sin all over us. But you know what? We decided this is not my home. This is not where I'm going to stay at. I believe God created me for a purpose. I believe God has a mission. God has a better day for me. And you know what we did? Is we ran to the train. Because we know on train Jesus that there is a restroom. And, and, and that dad ran to the restroom because he knew he could, he, could, he could clean up and he could wash off. I'm telling you, when you run to the train of Jesus, Jesus is going to be there to clean you up. You don't even have to do it. Because you are washed by the blood of the Lamb. And he he takes it all away. Somebody say amen. Now y'all getting ready. Having a little church. Because I'm telling you, that's repentance. That's repentance and what it looks like. I don't have this in my notes. I mean, I have it on the screen. I have it in my notes. 
But I want you to write this down. Repentance and forgiveness go together. Repentance and forgiveness go together. Well, what do you mean, preacher? The message, the voice of John the Baptist, the voice for God, was repent and be forgiven. A couple of weeks ago, on a Friday night, uh, parents came to me and said, listen, Carly wants to, to get saved, just a couple of weeks ago. And um, I could see it on her face. You could see that she was so bothered by her sins. And this 10-year-old little girl wanted to get right with God. And so I read to her Romans 3.23, and we've all sinned. And then I showed her Romans 6.23. And let me show you what one of my new favorite paraphrases is called The Message by Dr. Eugene Peterson. And here's how he describes Romans 3.23. And this is so good because this is what I told Carly. But now that you have found, you don't have to listen. Paraphrase of Romans 3.23, listen to this. You don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. You know what I said to her, Josh? Listen, Carly, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do anymore. Tonight, we're going to set you free from that. And you have discovered that tonight, the delight of listening to God, what a surprise. That is the difference of repentance and forgiveness. It's Carly realized in repentance, I don't have to listen to the devil anymore. And then I taught her Romans 6.23. And again, here's Dr. Peterson's uh, paraphrase in the message of Romans 6.23. And I'm telling you, this is hallelujah stuff. Here's how he paraphrases it. A whole, healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Romans 6.23. Work hard. Remember that we said the old verse, wage, work for the, wage, uh, the wages of sin is death? Here's what he paraphrases it. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. <laughs> uh, I mean, that nails it. And that's what I told Carly. But hang on, Carly, because it gets better. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus Christ, our Master. Amen? And that is the message of repentance and forgiveness. Jesus confronted the people with this message of repentance, and we need to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a day and age when your family and your friends in our country doesn't want to hear this message. There's a whole movement, I would say Christianity, but I don't think it is. There's a whole movement in religion with under the umbrella, they call themselves Christians. It's called the progressive movement in church. And what their philosophy is, is that all of us, no matter who you are, we all need to be inclusive. No matter how you identify yourself as a gen- in gender, no matter whether you sinned or not, there is no such word as repentance in their church vo- vo- vocabulary. I would argue then they have no church. Because the voice of God, this is not my opinion. I'm looking at the biblical text. You cannot sing holy, holy God almighty in the Trinity, unless you know him. And the only way you can be holy, you do not become holy because of your philosophies or your way of thinking or your political position. The only way that you can become holy is by repenting and allowing God to forgive you. Somebody say amen. 
And we need to get back to that truth, that confrontational truth. There's only one way to God. And so how do we do this? Number two, our voice should have counsel for people about who Jesus is. After John preaches his blistering sermon to the people, they wish to know, how do we get saved? And by the way, this is the way it always works. When you present the gospel and you confront people over their lostness, this is what Carly did, is she realized, then how do I get saved? And here's the thing, here's the counsel that we tell people about who Jesus is. And this is the way it always works. John MacArthur, I want you to write this down, he says this about the text. He says, hard truths make soft people. I love that. Do you want to know how to get a soft heart? Do you understand this morning? Listen to me. Our country right now, more than ever, is filled with, with division. There's hard-heartedness on every side. You want to understand this morning, the way we get a soft heart for God is we need to come to grips that we have a problem. We have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And when we are confronted by that, we understand it's the only way that God can soften our hearts. I don't care what your theology or philosophies, your church, whatever it is, the only way we get a soft heart is with repentance and obedience. And John backs this truth up. Notice what he says next. Whoever has two tunics in his share with him, and then one who has none. He says, in other words, you guys have got to learn to become generous people. Tax collectors, you got to stop. You, you all need to say amen right here. Tax collectors, you need to stop robbing the people. Soldiers, you need to quit taking advantages because of your authority and quit threatening and giving false accusations. You, could you imagine? Now, here's the culture and the context of which John the Baptist and Jesus lived in. In the Roman government, in the religious establishment of the Jewish faith, here's how corrupt it was. The tax collectors were robbing the people. The leaders were robbing the people. Everybody was taking advantage of the poor and the needy. And, and, and I'm just telling you, it was so dominated by fear and by a, by a methodology or a mentality of survival that literally... Everybody was just fighting for whatever they could get on their own. And what God is simply saying to you and I today, you want a better culture and society? Then it's not going to happen in the White House. It's not going to happen in Congress. It happens when we repent and humble ourselves to know who God is. So can you imagine living in a culture and society like that? The answer, folks, is repentance. Now, here's what the whole message hinges on, and then we'll be done. In the Christian life, and I want you to write this down. In the Christian life, we enter into a life of repentance, a life of ever turning toward heaven. Repentance is the way we bring Jesus into our everything. Isn't that amazing? I love that. In the Christian life, we enter into a life of repentance. This is what we want you praying into your life this week. A life of turning heaven. This is the counsel we give to folks. Repentance is the way that we bring Jesus into our everything. And then the final voice of John the Baptist, the final voice for you guys this morning, is comfort people with the glory of Jesus comfort people 
with the glory of Jesus. Jesus submits to baptism. People have wondered and theologically debated over the years, what in the world did Jesus, why should Jesus get baptized? Why should Jesus get baptized? Have you ever thought that's a great question? And I think as we look through this text, we figure out and realize that yes, Jesus was declaring victory over the death and hell and because of the justification. But have you ever thought to yourself, why did Jesus have to get baptized? And here's the argument that I want to make today. Jesus did it because he wanted to teach us as an example of righteousness. He became obedient to the Father. And because of his example, he brings us into the fellowship of righteousness. His obedience displays, puts on display the fact that he is righteous. And now, and here's the thing that we should celebrate every day of our life. Listen to this. Jesus has been baptized. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven spoke, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, Bible scholars point out, and they rightfully do this, and you need to hear me this morning, this is the Trinity. Once and for all, no debate. The Trinity is seen in this text today. Jesus, God's Son, the Holy Spirit, visiting upon them and moving to declare, and God the Father speaking the voice. That's the Trinity way. This is God three in one saying, this is my salvation. This is my son. And be comforted by that. And now every day of my life, I have the wonderful privilege, and so do you, to put this into practice in our life. It's every day of my life. I have the wonderful privilege of waking up in the morning because of the example of Jesus and realizing that I get to fellowship with the Trinity. What do you mean? When I baptized Madeline a while ago, when I baptized the folks last week, do you know what it takes me back to? I remember back in the day when I got baptized. And I remember being buried in the water, my sins, risen to new life, and because of that act, it tells me I put on the breastplate of his righteousness. Not what I think, not how I feel, but Jesus has covered me with his righteousness. So every morning of my life when I wake up, I don't feel like a good Christian. I don't feel like a preacher. I don't feel like I got it together. Who cares? The devil's a liar. Jesus has once and all put his righteousness on me. And not only do I got his righteousness, but because of that, I get to walk in fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they want me. And because I'm righteous, I got to have a good day today. And so do you. And that's where Jesus wants you guys living at. That's biblical truth. Comfort one another with that voice. Here's how J.I. Packer, the old-time preacher, says that. God takes us into his confidence. And he shares his secrets with us. And that's every day. God finds us ignorant. And then he gives us knowledge. Isn't that good? I love that. 
That's where God wants you guys at. <clears throat> Back in the day, um, we used to have a little hill that I would ride my bicycle up. And I grew up in southern Illinois, and there's only one hill, and it was right by our farmhouse. And I would ride my bicycle up that hill, and every day I was visiting my parents this past week and checking on them with uh, dementia. And uh, anyway, and I was reminded of how windy Illinois is. And I remember riding my bike up that hill. As a little boy, it was just too steep. And the wind was always just pounding in Illinois. Every day is a windy day in Illinois. And there's nothing worse than trying to ride your bike uphill against the wind. And then one day, one day, a voice came into my heart and my life. And as only mamas can do, my mama looked at me and she said, Terry, are you not tired of trying to get up that hill and going against the wind? And I said, I sure am, mama. And she goes, Terry, have you ever thought about turning around? And she said, how about go down the hill and let the wind carry you? go with the wind. And I think that's the voice of God speaking into your hearts and lives today. Why do you guys keep fighting? Why do you guys keep trying to do good? All you're doing is going up the hill against the Holy Spirit and you're never going to get there today. Repent and allow the Holy Spirit to go with you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your message this morning. God, you've been so good to outline for us today a great voice that we needed to hear in our hearts and our lives. And Father, today, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, may they pray right now, dear God, I'm a sinner. Man, I've heard the message today, and I'm that guy. I'm that kid playing in the mud, and, and I've not been really wanting to get out, but I've had enough. Today's enough is enough. God, I know you've got a greater purpose in my life. You want me to live on mission. You want me to start coming to this church and join a connect group on Sunday nights and in small groups and learn how to find my purpose, your purpose for my life, held accountable, sharing. And God, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins right now. God, I want you to come into my heart, and I want your righteousness. And God, I'm going to live for you. If you just prayed that prayer right now, we're going to ask everyone, if you would, to please stand this morning. Would everyone please stand? And if you need to come during this invitation time and just make this public profession known, our counselors will meet with you. They'll pray with you and share with you. And we want you to know what it means to be righteous, to repent and be forgiven today. Now look at me, church, this morning as we sing this verse of invitation. I don't know where you're at in this journey, but maybe it's time that you turn, quit fighting and trying to do it yourself, and go where the Holy Spirit wants to lead you as we sing. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.